Hi, everyone. My name is Emily Duke, and I'm a Covenant member here at The Well. Um, I serve on the Connections team, and I'm also a member of Avenue H Community Group. Um, I'll be reading today's scripture. It's in Luke 16, 1 through 13. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for, can, sorry, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe me, my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this word are more shrewd in dealing with their own generations than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, you will entrust, who will entrust to you the rich, true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. This is the word of the Lord. All right. What's up, y'all? How are we? Good, good. Good to be here with you all this afternoon. We ready? Cool, cool. Um, we are in week four of our Uniquely Jesus series, and we're back in the Gospel of Luke today. Uh, and so this week, we will be looking at what virtually every scholar agrees is the hardest parable to interpret and the hardest parable to explain. Uh, and I get rebuked for preaching too long often, and this text is very hard to explain, so... Let's go ahead and dive right in or else we will be here until the second coming of our good Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, hey, this series, uh, as we're looking at why these authors kind of told these unique stories about Jesus or these miracles, these events, these, these happenings that are only told in one of the gospel accounts, this one's really unique. Luke is a doctor, and Luke seems to care a lot about stewardship and about finances, which is why this particular parable seemed to be really important to him. In fact, Luke actually talks about stewardship more than all of the other authors do. In fact, Luke uses the word rich uh, 17 times, whereas the other three gospel writers only use it 14 times combined. And so Luke cares about how we steward our life and, and how we steward our resources. In fact, Yusuf is going to teach a parable in a few weeks on stewardship and resources in Luke. And so I'll be really careful not to steal a bunch of points from his future sermon. Uh, I will steal some points though, dog, all right? So you're a good preacher, you can recover. Um, so Luke in effort is trying to help us to 
really steward our lives. And what he does is he tells this really crazy parable uh, from Jesus. And so let's go ahead and dive right in. Notice in verse one, he's talking to his disciples. Now in Luke chapter 15, verse two, the story's right before this account, he's actually talking to the Pharisees and others. And so this is a shift from those who do not believe in Christ to us who do believe in Jesus. So this is a story that is written for us as believers, our benefit, talking mainly to Christians. And so verse one through three is the setup of this parable. There's a rich man, and this represents God, who had a manager or a steward, and this represents the world, and at times even us, if we're honest. So the dude was wasting his possessions, and the rich man was going to fire him. And so then this manager is like, well, shoot, I, I, I need to do something, right? Like, I ain't jacked, I, I ain't swole, right? I don't look like Garrett Boone. And so I'm too weak to dig with your weak self, right? And I don't want to be homeless. And so Jesus sets up kind of the problem of the parable. Uh, a quick aside, but really important about parables as we journey through this series, is that Jesus told parables as a way to uh, really communicate a truth in a very memorable sort of way. And one of the implicit realities, the underlying realities about a parable, though, is that the longer you reflect on it, the more truth you can mine from it. And so there's always like a main overarching truth, but then as you sit in it longer, it actually begins to unfold for you that much more. And so parables, in a way, really reflect the scriptures at large, where the longer you reflect on them, the more truth you are able to mine from them. And so never read a parable too fast or the scriptures too fast because you're gonna miss the depth of what is actually there. You tracking? No? I can go back and say a point again, right? Okay. And so the dude then, verse four, he says, I have decided what I will do, which makes him sound like a mastermind villain, doesn't it? Right, like whenever you talk about yourself in story form, you're evil, okay? It's like, aha, Tori is a genius. Tori knows what he will do. And so he wants people to receive them in their houses after he gets fired. This is a really important phrase, and we're gonna come back to this phrase toward the end, the phrase in their houses. But essentially what he's saying is when he gets fired, he wants people to receive him favorably. favorably. He wants them to receive them into their homes or even into their employment. He doesn't want to be homeless. He doesn't want to work too hard, so he's trying to gain favor with people by being shady. And so he gets the master's debtors together, and he says, hey, how much do you owe? And the guy's like, a hundo. And he's like, okay, a couple of stacks, right? Cut it in half is what he tells them. Oh, of course, you're welcome. No problem. Don't worry about it. Just remember me, right, is what he then goes on to do with his shady self, okay? A uh, hundred measures of oil is about three years of salary, and a hundred measures of wheat is about eight years of salary. So this dude isn't forgiving nickels and dimes, right? Like he's forgiving really large amounts. And so he's like, oh, how much do you owe? 150,000? Okay, cool. Cut it to $75,000, right? The dude is just forgiving debt left and right. He's Joe Biden in this mug, right? <laughs> I'm making no political statement. Don't care if you like that man or not, okay? If someone would like to do that for my mortgage, though, you're more than welcome to, okay? Uh, so please don't email me. I'm only kidding. Really easy joke, all right? 
If you do have to email me, though, it's T-R-A-V-I-S at thewellaustin.com, okay? Um, now, here comes the Jesus' punch to the parable, right? Here's the, all the setup that we just kind of went through, and then here's his punch and what makes it really hard to translate. I'm over here talking about debt-forgiving jokes, and I just said it's a hard parable, and I'm on a timer. So, ready? The master says, at this moment, in verse 8, he says, okay, I see what you did there, right, with your shady self, and I give you props for that. And then Jesus rebukes the disciples for not being shrewd, okay, which this can leave people, like, so confused, right? Like, you know that butterflies in the sky, that meme, right? Like, that's what it feels like here. It's like, Christ, are you telling me to be sinful, right? And so I'm going to repeat myself a few times here in a couple of different ways because I don't want this to get lost in translation. It's hard to understand. And so what Jesus says is uh, that uh, sinful men, like this man, is more shrewd, that word means thoughtful or wise even, with things like money than we are with kingdom things like our souls or other people's souls. Ouch, is what Christ is doing here. Jesus is comparing the sinful man's actions positively in contrast to our thoughtlessness about the kingdom at times. The steward here is not commended for his dishonesty. In fact, in verse 10 and 11, Jesus uh, makes sure you understand that reality. He's commended for his foresight. He was prudent or he was practical or he was shrewd. And so the steward, he sacrificed present gain for future reward, making him wise in that sense. And so this is really clearly a rebuke parable because Jesus is using a wicked man's actions to then go and challenge righteous Christians. He's essentially saying, look, these people are doing this work. They're, they're thinking about, they're being foresight, uh, thoughtful about their life in which they can only receive the benefit of their foresight for 70 years max, and you have 70 millennium minimum, and yet you don't think about the kingdom. That's what Christ is saying here. So the fact that Jesus uses a negative example to state a positive charge, it kind of adds this shocking effect to the parable. And so once again, okay, so, so that we don't get lost, I, I want us to know what Jesus is saying here. This steward, he sacrificed present gain for a future reward. And we rarely sacrifice present gain for true and better future rewards, the kingdom of God. You see, this man thought about the rest of his life. We are to think about the rest of our eternities, and yet we very often fail to do this. Here comes the challenge. He says the sons of this world are more shrewd than the sons and the daughters of the kingdom because they think about their earthly kingdom, and we neglect to make sacrifices for our heavenly and better kingdom. In fact, we end up stewarding all of our resources for this kingdom as if this kingdom is our only home, making us just like the wicked man that is only thinking about this kingdom and kind of making it that much worse because we have a true kingdom coming, yet we think about it rarely. It is a challenge that Jesus is given. He's kind of throwing them like Kimbo slice punches at us, right? And so Jesus is saying that God's children who have a heavenly future should be as diligent, okay, in assessing the long-term effect of their actions 
as those who do not know God are in protecting their earthly well-being. Okay, I put that kind of definition there so we don't get lost there. We are to think about the kingdom, to put it very plainly, to be strategic, right? To love God with our minds, not just our heart, soul, or strength, but to think about the things that are coming. And Jesus is asking, do we do this? Like God wants us to consider our eternity, to be shrewd or to be crafty or to be diligent. Can that be said of you as a Christian? When people look at your lives, do they say, that is a shrewd woman, that is a shrewd man. He is making these sacrifices for the kingdom of God. Now, this is obviously a challenge of Christ, and don't worry, there's a ton of grace in this challenge, but it's a challenge nonetheless. What Jesus is saying, y'all, is like, like really think about the kingdom. This man thinks ahead so that he can take care of himself. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, take care of yourself that much more. Like, really think about how you can care for yourself for eternity, He's asking, essentially, what are you doing with your possessions, okay? Your time, your talent, and your treasures. Those are our possessions, the things that we steward, the things that God has given you to manage. What are you doing right now with your possessions that are preparing you for your eternal home? Could you answer that question, honestly, in your hearts? Like, future glory, the kingdom that is to come, other people's souls as they receive you. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's like, I know that it's so hard to think about the future. I want to challenge you on this. And then he begins to give all of these ways that we can think practically so that we may steward our lives better so as to gain a better reward. In comes the grace of Christ. It's a hard challenge, but he's like, no, 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 I, I want you to receive more. I, I am trying to prepare for you in eternity and a future and rewards in the kingdom. Here's how you do that. And so what does it look like to be wise, to be shrewd towards the future? Well, Jesus pretty clearly makes an aggressive shift from moral and story to application in verses eight and nine. And he begins to talk literally about our money. And he uses money as an example for how we can be shrewd just like the wicked manager is. So y'all following so far? Right, butterflies in the sky, right? We're putting it together, okay? And so Jesus says, hey, let me give you some examples of how we can be shrewd. So listen, he's going to use money as the example, but this can transfer to any of our possessions, our time, our talent, our treasures, anything that we can use to then steward for the future kingdom, that's what he's going to do. He'll just practically use money because it's the easiest example of that. And so how is Jesus applying it? How can we be good stewards? Well, verses one through eight, you see the note there, it says to be prudent, right? That word prudent just really means wise. And so be wise, like, like think about the future. Remember that you are going to live forever. Do you remember that, right? That you are an eternal soul. Don't let earthly people think more about their temporal well-being than you do think about your eternal well-being, saints, this is what Jesus is saying. This is how you can be shrewd. And so that's the first point of Jesus. It's, it's the heart of his whole story there, that we should be prude, we should be wise, we should be shrewd, we should think about eternity. 
but that's hard for us to do. So Jesus goes on, he gets practical. Hey, here's other ways that you can do that as he moves us into application. And so verse nine, Jesus says, you could be shrewd by being generous. And so the second point there is, hey, if you're generous, you will actually grow in being shrewd. You will become more like that wise manager than you will like somebody who doesn't think much about the kingdom. Jesus is saying here, look at verse 9, spend money to make friends to gain them for eternity. That's a crazy thought, y'all, right? Like, can we think about this thought for a second? In fact, we'll be talking mainly in CGs this week about this idea of evangelism that's presented here in verse 9. Jesus is essentially saying, do whatever it righteously takes to share the gospel and then to win others. That word righteously is a key phrase there, right? Some people think they can do whatever it takes to share the gospel and win others, but no, 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 he wants us to be righteous in the process. But do whatever it righteously takes. And so Jesus is saying, hey, think about eternal things, right? Like your reward or other people's souls who could live forever because of what you do here on earth. What he's saying is use earthly means to create eternal good, That's a wild statement, y'all. That would be like me saying, hey, give me Monopoly money and I'll give you real money. He's saying, look, take these things that only last for a little bit and you're actually going to get something that much more. This is an abundant amount of grace from Christ. In fact, A.T. Pearson, who was a 19th century pastor, he was actually Charles Spurgeon's successor, if you know him, and has a cool backstory, particularly in missions, but he says this, he says money, about this verse, money can be used to buy Bibles, books, tracts, and thus indirectly the souls of men. Thus, what was material and temporal becomes immortal, becomes non-material, spiritual, and eternal. Here is a man who has $100, and he may spend it all on a banquet or an evening party, in which case the next day there is nothing to show for it. On the other hand, he invests in Bibles at $1 each. It buys 100 copies of the Word of God. These he judiciously sows as seed of the kingdom. That seed springs up into a harvest, not of Bibles, but of souls. Out of the unrighteous, he has made immortal friends who, when he fails, receives him into everlasting habitations. Now, 19th century, And so while methods may be slightly outdated, the point sure isn't, right? Like this is powerful. Your dollar can stretch to impact eternity. Dang, y'all, come on, right? Like Jesus says, when you are generous like this, then people are going to thank you for all of eternity. You see, the manager, he wanted people to invite them into his home after he got fired. You see that there in verse 4. But then in verse 9, it says, there will be people who will invite us into a much better heavenly home because we are the ones that help them to get there. How many people are going to receive you into the kingdom? That when you get into the kingdom of God, you go into the gates and then there's a a, a mountain worth of people that says, thank you for helping me get here. That's what Jesus is telling us to think about here. Jesus is saying, hey, hey, look to these things, right? And, and if you're not right now, if you're like, shoot, 
I don't know who would invite me into the kingdom. I don't know who would say thank you for helping me get here. He's saying, hey, hey, I, I get that. So begin to think about it now, right? Like this is important. I'm, I'm trying to give you true riches. I'm, I'm trying to give you something that will last for all of eternity. The little things now, if we are generous in them and we think about the kingdom, make eternal impact later. And so I think about little things, y'all, right? Like our move to the east side coming up here soon, which is a very shameless plug here I'm about to do, right? I used to be very uh, self-conscious about doing this. I didn't want it to look like, oh, we're just trying to get you to like serve. And I'm like, no, like I'm trying to get you to get rewards for eternity, y'all. Right, like I love you, like I, I want your joy in Christ and I know that when we sacrifice little things like our time, they reap harvest of, of eternal impact, y'all. And so we want to do that. And so if you're not serving, like serve, y'all. This isn't because we necessarily need it, though that is true, we need the body of Christ. But literally what Jesus is saying here is as you're sacrificial with little things like your time or your money, it comes back into this eternal reward where people say, thank you for helping me get to heaven, y'all. This is unbelievable, right? In fact, just to put it into perspective, if we serve two hours a week, once a month, we're only serving 0.2% of our waking hours, like less than 1%, okay? And, and Jesus is saying, look, even those little mustard seeds of sacrifice, I'm going to take them and explode them into a harvest of righteousness. And so serve with your time or your money or your talents, whatever it might be, as we're generous with these things, Jesus is saying, you're going to reap something so much better, y'all. Or are you gonna use your time to only think about this world which perishes? That's the impact that Jesus is saying here. Are we thinking about the reality of eternity, right? Investing where our resources, where they actually matter, or are you only thinking about the reality of this, right? This present playing field. Are you thinking about eternity more, or are you thinking about your retirement more, y'all? One of them will not last forever, family. We need to work toward that end. So don't be like the sinful manager and waste resources. That's what Christ is saying, okay? How else can we be shrewd? Jesus says in verse 10, we are faithful with what we have. As we are faithful, we begin to grow in shrewdness. Now we may once again be like, man, I don't know how shrewd I am. Jesus is like, I, I know that, that's why I told you this parable. I'm trying to give you practical steps to grow in shrewdness. And so he says this in verse 10, right? What he ends up saying, y'all, is we need to be faithful with the little so that we can be entrusted with much. Let me give us a reality that shouldn't be sobering, but at times it is for us. You are going to get fired. You know that, right? Like you're going to die, okay, is what's happening here. And we know this. And if we know that our death is imminent, just like this guy knew that he was about to get fired, if we know that we are going to die, then we will be more faithful with what we have today. That's the point Jesus is saying here. And so little things like money, because it's a little thing, when we're faithful with it, then Jesus will entrust us with bigger things like heavenly riches. Yet it's hard to remember the future at times, ain't it, y'all? Right, it's hard for me at least. It's hard to be faithful with the resources that I have here to be shrewd because you and I forget that we're gonna be fired from this earth. We act like we're gonna live here forever and we're not, y'all. There is a place where we're going to go live forever if you believe in Jesus and he's saying, think about those things and be faithful with little here so you may be faithful with much there. 
right? We get stuck thinking about and stewarding this life as if this life is all that we have. And I believe it's because we're not trained by our community or by our culture to think about eternity. And I think the reason because of that, or that, that we don't get trained in this is that we live in an instant gratification culture, right? Like, like instant gratification is like high fructose corn syrup, right? It's like we know that it's killing us, but once we eat it, we can't help but to continue to consume it, right? And then we consume it, and then it doesn't fill us, so we get more hungry, so we eat more of it, and we just spin and spin and spin instant gratification, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 eat the true reward, something so much better. We stay with this earthly mindset, and he's trying to get us to think about eternity, family. And so you have to train yourself to remember the kingdom that is to come so that we can be faithful in this small kingdom here on earth, that he might entrust us with even greater riches. Amen? Yeah, we tracking so far? Okay. Uh, how else are we to be shrewd? All right, the next one he says is that we're a good steward of that which isn't ours. Okay, verse 12, be a good steward of that which isn't yours, by the way. Okay, this world is not your own, family. You know that, right? Okay, like, like the money you have is not yours. Okay, uh, your spouse is not yours. Your land that you have, despite how much you're paying in taxes to Travis County, it ain't yours, y'all. Right? Like, like when you die, that thing will pass and you cannot bring that thing with you. It is not yours. But verse 12, look at what Jesus says there. Christ says that one day he will give you something that is your own. This is a powerful sentence, family. Like one day you will have something that is yours for forever. And so steward that which is not yours right now, this earth, so that that which is better can become truly yours and entrusted to you later. I mean, y'all, do we see what Christ is saying here? This is a wild parable, right? And he's laying out all of these beautiful things that can be ours. By the way, this ain't prosperity gospel either. He's simply saying if you do this well, you're preparing a better home for yourself. And so think mostly there instead of mostly here. Right? Finally, how do we be good, uh, good, shrewd stewards? What's the last point? Well, verse 13, he says to serve God. Once again, as we do these things, we grow in shrewdness, right? We begin to apply that which we believe to be true. We serve God. Listen, you cannot serve two masters, okay? Like money in God, time in God, hello. Talents and God, any of our possessions, you cannot serve both of those. You cannot serve this earth and the earth to come at the same time, family, right? Here's why. Money, it asks for your evenings, and it asks for your weekends, and it asks for your Sundays, and it asks for your mornings, and that's why you cannot serve both of these things because God asks for the same things, and you can only give yourself to one at a time, y'all. Right? So money is not bad, okay? The question is, are you using your money to serve the kingdom or are you using time to serve money? Right? Are you using money to serve God or is money using you to steal from God because money actually is your God? Right? Like, like that's what Jesus is getting at in the heart of this question. 
right? And so, like, like, let me reframe this in case, like, we don't struggle with money. Because I know some of us are like, I don't care about money. Cool. Okay, let's use time, talent, something else, right? Like, like think about your heart. Think about what your heart does. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So money might not be your treasure, but something is. And it's usually something besides God. And so we can think about this with any other idol that we chase or that we pursue after. We do whatever it takes to get that idol, y'all. Right? Like, money is an idol for a lot of us. That's why as we're generous, we become shrewd because we lessen the grip that money has in the control of our life. And we end up investing in the wrong earth instead of that one. But think about something different besides money. Think about, like, another sin, like another idol, like something like lust, okay, which in our culture is such an idol for so many of us which is why we have purity groups here at the well. And there are all these tactics to help us overcome this idol because an idol, you know you worship it when you do whatever it takes to get it, and when you don't get it, it impacts your emotions, okay? And so we end up doing whatever it takes. So, so then what they say is like, hey, let's put these certain things in place. Like, like let's lock down your devices and put accountability things on your phone so that there's all of this help in the midst of it. And then what do you do if you struggle with this idol? You begin to become shrewd, do you not? Right? You start trying to figure a way to get around your phone to get into that device. Hello, I'm talking to some of us, right? Like, but if the kingdom of God becomes your treasure, then you begin to mimic those same desires. What you do is you sacrifice and you strategize and you try to figure out ways to get that which is the thing that you treasure the most. You track him, right? And so Jesus is trying to take these negative desires and he's saying it's not that the desire in themselves is negative, it's that they are displaced desires, but if you take that shrewdness that you have towards these idols and you apply it toward the kingdom of God, I am promising you an eternal reward. Put your shrewdness in the right place, family. All of us, I think, are shrewd. We're just shrewd towards the wrong things. And he's trying to get us to be shrewd toward the kingdom of God. So if you serve God, if you love the kingdom, if the kingdom is your treasure, you will do what it takes with your earthly resources to get the kingdom of God and the reward that comes with it. I think about Morgan and Kendall Sander, a story I heard from this week. They're two of our CG shepherds, and they want to start up a bike shop on UT's campus so that when students have a broken chain or a flat tire or something, they can go and they can fix their bike, and then they just sit in there fixing their bike, and it's like, well, you're here for 15 minutes, you're going to get the gospel as well, all right? And I love that, y'all. It's like shrewd, right? I'm assuming they're taking something that they care about, like bikes, because I wouldn't know how to fix a bike. I'd be like, walk that mug home, right? And so they're taking something they care about and they're using it, but they're trying to gain souls. Like, like people who will say, I am in heaven for eternity because of you. And they're trying to sacrifice their time, but they're doing it in a way that's crafty. And it's like, man, will they see hundreds of people come to faith? Maybe not, but will people feel the love of Jesus? Hopefully so. And will that be one step of a thousand to get them in eternity? I hope so. And that's what Jesus is saying to be crafty about, right? In fact, if you put those sermon, uh, the, the points back up on the screen for me real quick, think about what Kendall and Morgan are doing here. Are they prudent or wise? Yes. Are they generous? Yeah, with their time, right? Are they being faithful to try to represent God? Of course they are. Are they being good stewards with, with that which is not their own? They are. Are they serving God? Like, yeah, right? 
And so guess what's gonna happen? They're gonna grow in shrewdness, and this little act today is going to be their eternal reward one day, family. Now, we can end the sermon here and say, now go forth and be shrewd, right? If we're honest, though, most of us will struggle to do this, right? Like, of all of these points up here, maybe you hit, like, one, maybe two of those, but suffer a little bit and watch how quickly all of those points go down the drain, right? Like, like so either we try to muster up our own strength to, to go forth and to be shrewd, but most of us will forget what the word shrewd even means in three weeks, let alone how to actually apply that. Or we could look to the shrewdest one, Christ, and find our strength in him even when we fail. Jesus does all of these points to perfection, right? Like, like that's a pretty easy one. Like he thinks about the kingdom of God always. It's always on his heart. It's always on his mind. It's always what's coming out of his mouth. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What does Jesus speak about? The kingdom of God pretty much only. And so it's clearly on his heart. He stewarded other people's souls well. He served God even until death. Jesus fulfills all of these points, right? But think about the story again, right? Like, like go back into the story in your mind and then think about Christ in relation to this story. This unjust, shrewd manager, he lessened the burden of debt off of others, but he did this partially and he did it selfishly, right? Jesus did not just lessen the debt, but he canceled all of the debt that we owed the rich man, God. And not only did he cancel it though, he canceled it righteously by taking that debt on himself, paying for that debt as the true rich ruler. You see, we as disciples, were not the rich man, and as disciples, we're also not the dishonest manager. That's the world. We are the people who owe a debt family. And Jesus, in his shrewdness, found a way to satisfy that debt that was owed, but not to be shady and just forgive it, but to actually pay it off in full. Jesus' blood becomes the payment of the debt that you and I owe and could never pay. Jesus pays the debt, family. And then he's a good steward of the gospel. He gives up his riches so that we might be rich in him and he becomes poor so that in verse nine, he can receive us into our heavenly dwelling and greet us when we get there. Jesus is the positive example of every single part of the story, family. He fulfills all of it so that now when you and I struggle to be good stewards, when, when we struggle to be shrewd, when we struggle to be generous or to be wise or, or to be forward thinking, we simply don't just try harder. Family of God, what you do is you believe deeper. You look to Jesus and you say, hold on, if Christ, my example, can be shrewd in this way and if he fulfills this to perfection, and if he atones for it, if he cleans off my debt, and if he resurrected and gave me the Holy Spirit, then I, like Christ, can begin to imitate him in the world around me. And so we don't try harder. We, we trust Christ more. We believe him more. We say, God, I am not like this shrewd manager. You are right. I am like the sons of this world. I don't think about eternity. Forgive me in Christ. Fill me that I may think about eternity, that I may be shrewd like you. We believe in Christ and family of God. I hope that amends your heart, even if you're not saying it out loud. Because you can either try to go be shrewd and you're probably gonna fail tomorrow, or you can trust in Christ, family. And even when you fail, you have somebody that forgives you. 
and then I let you try again and again and again and again. You see, this guy was taking all this guy's resources away, but Jesus gives you mercy and grace day after day after day. And if you choose to be faithful, you choose to be shrewd, man, that's your reward for eternity, family. And he keeps presenting it to us daily. And so I pray we would seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I pray that we would think about our eternity. Like, let us be a church, let us be a people who are wise, right? Who think about our eternal impact because eternity is coming. Let's not squander our wealth like the wicked servant. We are not that servant any longer. He delivered us. Let us have a multitude of people that when you and I walk through those gates will look at us and say, thank you for helping me get here. Amen? Amen. Parable makes sense? Amen. Okay, well, hey, I love you guys, all right? Uh, I pray that we would be a shrewd church. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's pray together. Christ Jesus, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. God, that every little sacrifice that we are making will will turn back around and we will reap a harvest of righteousness because of that. So God, I pray for the men and women that are in this room making sacrifices for you, our God and our King. I pray that they would not lose heart, Jesus. That the enemy would not speak lies into their heart that tell them that those sacrifices are empty. I pray that they would see your words, Jesus, and see, no, 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 those sacrifices are storing up treasures for eternity and that they would endure in their sacrifice, that they would be shrewd, they would be wise, they would think about ways to impact the souls of mankind, they would think about ways to store up true riches that we as a people would think, God. Christ Jesus, I pray for those of us that are in this room who may not have a relationship with you. We may be wise to this world only. Friend, I want you to know that you were not created to live for 80 years and then die as if this is all that existed. There is an eternity that is coming and Christ invites you in If you believe in Jesus, if you give your life to him, if you follow him, like like eternity is yours. That is the underlying truth of this parable. So I pray you would not put your trust in the treasure that fades, but you would put your trust in Jesus.